All right, let's go to the great commandment. Some of you are familiar with that. I hope I can help you a little bit and bring some light to the great commandment. Maybe you're not familiar with it. The great commandment is one of the pillars of, of the Christian faith. The great commandment is where people come together about Jesus. The great commandment is what you'll be quoted by other self-righteous people from time to time. Oh, we're to love. You're being judgmental. Oh, we're... The great commandment is what they're trying to tell you about. We don't understand it always, but the great commandment is, is what it is. It is the great commandment. Let's look at it in Matthew. Uh, in Matthew chapter, oh, let's see where I'm at. Matthew 22, 36. And in my Bible, there's little subtitles. They're not inspired by God, but they're put in there, and it says the great commandment. Starts out in verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard, we're in Matthew 22. We're going to be about 36. We'll be there in just a moment. The great commandment. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Now get the picture. Jesus Christ is in front of the Pharisees, and he's in front of the Sadducees. The Sadducees were a group of people, religious, self-righteous, Jewish people, leaders in the church. They were like the Democrats and the Republicans you have here. The Sadducees were Sadducee because they <laughs> did not believe in an afterlife. Can you imagine that? They believed in God, but they didn't believe in an afterlife. They believed God rewarded you for everything you did here on earth. And remember, there's nothing new under the sun. You could come up with all kinds of other faiths. But they believed that when you died, you died. But God will reward you through the life. And that's where we get some of these philosophies like give to get rich, you know, and God's rewarding over you with a big club and he's going to give you a cookie when you do right and a club when... It's Sadducees. They were sad, you see. And so they weren't never going to make it to heaven. And they argued with the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed in an afterlife and they believed in angels, something that separated the two. They, they said there's no afterlife. There's a God up there and he put us on this planet, and he wound it up like a clock. They call him Deus now, and it just kind of unwinds now. He's watching it, and they're having a big time. Uh, he's having a big time, him and the Father and the Holy Spirit, and they're all looking down and going, oh, that's kind of neat how that happened. Yeah, I think I'll give him a cookie. No, that's not what it's all about. But that's where it developed because these, both these religious groups were very self-righteous. You think I'm out of line, go to the chapter 22 of 23 somewhere in here where he tells the Pharisees and the Sadducees just what he thinks of them. Woe unto you. But these are the two group of people standing right in front of him and they're trying to trip him up. Just like the past president. I turned on the news for five minutes today and all I heard was, uh, you know, what a crook he was and they're going to reinvestigate. He, nothing new under the sun. His enemies, Jesus Christ, was being investigated every day, every word he said. That's why he spoke in parables. And if you've got a question about parables, if you're wondering if God's speaking figuratively or it's fact and it's happened, he'll tell you. In every, every, every time you open up your Bible, I get a kick out of some of these. They try to list all the parables. and No, that's not a parable. That happened. When the, when a, when the guy died and was taken up to Abraham's bosom, that's not a parable. God would, t he tells you in his book what a parable is. He explains his book. 
the best explanation. And we're going to get to an explanation. Do you know what the explanation of the great commandment is? It explains what the great commandment is in the book of Exodus. And some of you are familiar with your Bible. Exodus is where we go over the Ten Commandments. We're talking about one commandment here, aren't we? Well, yeah. But he tells us what we should be doing to fulfill that great commandment. The great commandment, and we'll see here, is master. Well, here's these people. They're looking at him. They're going to trip him up. Okay, which one's he going to pick? You know, they were familiar with Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 through 17. And they knew if he picked one over the other, he was in violation of all kinds of different little rules they tacked on in their oral law. And so he took and uh, they says, which, which one's the greatest commandment of the law? Because these, both these men, both these groups of men, Pharisees and Sadducees, were hung up on the law. The Lord used the Hebrew people to preserve that part of his word, the law, and we should be very thankful for them for what we have of God's word. But they failed to realize that no one can fulfill the law to get to heaven. They have to look for a mediator. And we talked, they talked about that this morning in Sunday school. You've heard about it. Uh, who's the mediator? Who's the one who died for our sins? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is standing right before him, and they're going to try to trip him up with the law. The very thing he fulfilled with his life. He laid himself down, died on the cross for their sins, and the law was fulfilled. You see, these guys made their living off saying, oh, uh, well, when I was a kid, I used to go into this little booth, and the guy would say, you did what? And I'd go, yeah, I did. And he'd go, that'd be five Hail Marys, a couple Our Fathers, and put 30 cents in the collection plate. <laughs> that was going on. That was the religious leaders of the time, the self-righteous leaders of the time. Those were the ones he was standing in front of them, and they say, what's the law? Which is the most important? And he's going to sum up every law in the Bible here in just a moment. And he says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. We talked about mind this morning, didn't we? Somebody? Uh, Sunday school. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Now, those three words, like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If you have a Bible other than the King James Bible, it's going to say like it, where it says like unto it. Three words omitted right there in most other translations. I was telling my wife on the way here, we were cracked open a new book. He's talking about end times, wasn't he? Or revival. And we were talking about the difference between revival and redemption. And we're discussing something. I says, who wrote that book? Oh, and I says, where is it, where is it in the front? What does it say on the front cover or, you know, inside? Oh, quotations are taken from XXX. The XXX Bible. Other, tra other quotations are taken from the King James Version. Now you tell me what's wrong with that statement. The King James is the Bible. The others are versions. Do you know what a version, ver <laughs> version is? It's 
It's a, well, it, it's, it's another of the same, but it's not the same. The, er, the closest translation to the King James Bible has 1,500 different discrepancies in it from the King James. Commas, quotations, whole words, whole sentences, all kinds of stuff. That's the closest version. So if you're going to go hunting polar bears with a, a shotgun, do you want your grandson's version of a shotgun? Or do you want a shotgun? Do you want a 12-gauge, a 10-gauge, or a 20-gauge? Which version of a shotgun do you want? Well, you want the biggest one. I want one with a barrel on both ends so I can shoot them when I'm running, and as well as <laughs> uh, uh, a version, ver, a virgin. Uh, I knew I'd say that sooner or later. A version is an opinion. It's a closeness. It's meant to be a likeness. It can be explanatory, but it's nothing more than a commentary, really. Really. And do you want the guy who taught your doctor, your brain surgeon, to operate on you? Or do you want the guy who was the guy who taught your doctor? Do you want the doctor or do you want the guy who taught him to do the surgery? Well, and it's, I go back to, are you going to fight the devil with a penknife? Or are you going to fight him with a sword? You have only one Bible that claims it's the sword of God. You have many versions. Now, I, you're not going to go to hell if you get saved. And I squared off with a young man destined to be the pastor of a 3,000-plus congregation. And he was trying to tell me you can't get saved unless you're saved by a King James Bible. Did you ever hear something so ridiculous? I says, well, clarify that. Well, it's got to be English language. Okay, tell me about D.L. Moody. Tell me about R.A. Torrey. Tell me about some of the great men of God we just quoted in Sunday school today. Yeah, tell him. He got by the oral word, not the written. Amen. And so I bring that up because we're talking a little bit about legalism, what they like to say, legalism and such. And it goes right back to the book you have in your hands. These guys had the pure word of God, but they misinterpreted it to the point they rewrote it in an oral language. And they're trying to trip him up with the law. Jesus Christ, as a Hebrew scholar of any kind, had the first five books of the Bible memorized. All these other men that are talking to him had the first, the Pentateuch we talked about earlier today, they had the first five books of the Bible memorized. The fellow who seen Jesus by night, Nicodemus, we talked about one of the messages we gave, I gave you, he had the first five books of the memorized and the complete Torah, which is like 20 chapters of laws on how to wash your dishes, where you go to the bathroom, and what you did after that, and how you washed. They washed the plate like this, and then they washed the plate like that, and then they had to set it on the shelf, and they had to do that once a year. They had to take everything out of the house and clean it, and, call, and they still practice some of those movements today in the Orthodox Jewish religions. They're looking for the Christ. They don't even look for the Christ. They're looking to be fulfilled the law. And that's why they wanted to pin Jesus down on what's the most important one, because if you follow this one, you're inevitably going to neglect that one. 
I mean, just kind of a predicament. And what did he say? The first is like unto the other. Love the Lord thy God with heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then they had the audacity. They go, yeah, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? I think they even say that here. here. And Jesus Christ explains to them later on. Let's go to the second, the second portion of Scripture I want you to look at. Luke uh, 10, 29. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 10, 29. Now those three letters, like onto it, means a whole lot different than is. Is is a conjunction. Like onto it describes that conjunction, what it hooks up to. It describes the prepositional phrase or the phrase that will follow next. And like onto it means, yes, the first one is the law. What's the most important law then of the two? Because these guys were picking, they were parting hairs. What's the most important of those two? Because that was going to come next after they, that's why they ask about the neighbor. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul. And you will have all the rest taken care of. He says the second's like it. It's like unto it. It is, if you fulfill this first one, the second one's going to be a piece of cake. That's what we're striving to be as Christians, aren't we? We're striving to love. It's, it's almost impossible. And you know it's impossible for me to love my neighbor, <laughs> if you knew my neighbor. But, uh, but, you know, and that goes to a common thing. I've had people approach me, you know, Pastor, I can't, I can't get along with Susie Brown. She, she, if I bring cookies to church, she brings a pie. And if I bring a pie to church, she, she brings a whole kitchen. And I just can't stand her. I can't get along with her. I says, why don't you bake her a pie and take it over there? And she says, Pastor, that would just kill me. Aren't you we to die to ourselves daily? You all have an opportunity to follow these commands and die to your old nature and live to your new nature. And that's what this commandment is about. You, you're in the process of loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul. And as you do that, you're going to fulfill the second one, love thy neighbor as thyself. Pretty hard to uh, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul and walk by a guy laying on the street uh, mugged. And isn't that what he uses over there in Luke where we're going? Who's your neighbor? We get to the story of the Good Samaritan. And he says, you know, which of these? Well, we'll go to it. Let's go to it. Let's go over to, I want, I'm, I'm kind of jumping over. We'll hit Exodus last. Luke 10, 29. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 10, 29. And I sure hope that's what I wrote down. Luke 10, 29. Good. I'd ask you to read it, brother, but I, I got to keep to the word myself. I got to concentrate on it. Luke 10, 29 is 10 through 9. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down to Jerusalem. You ever notice he's, he's talking down. He went down to Jerusalem and fell. There's another negative. He fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest 
that way, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. Now, that priest was one of these men, one of these Pharisees, probably, or maybe he was Sadducee. He was a Sadducee. Maybe he was. And he says, oh, that guy's done. No sense of helping him out. But that priest who was adherent to the law didn't know what grace was if it bit him in the face, was adherent to the law, walked around. Now, who walks around him next? All things are delivered unto my Okay, where are we at? 29, but 27. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. And likewise, a Levite. Now, a Levite was of the tribe or the group of individuals that were descendants of priests. In those days, priests could marry and have families and everything else. We, the Catholic Church has kind of corrupted the priesthood, and now they're reaping the benefits from that. And so, uh, and we're all kings and priests, by the way, every one of us, every one of us. And some of us are better kings, and some of us are better priests, and some of us are just plain better sinners, right? So, the... Uh, the, pre, the Levite, a descendant of the priest, one of the household, knew the law, been to church all his life, but he didn't have Jesus Christ in his heart. What did he do? He walked around him. He wasn't concerned. Do you know if that Levitical, that Levitical priest, I'm assuming they're all Levitical, but the priest, if he would have touched, his argument would have been when he got home, there's a guy dying in the street out there. It's a good thing I didn't touch him. Because if I would have touched the body that was dying, I would have fouled myself and had to been unclean, and they would have made me do the COVID vaccine. You know, that's what he was all about. The Levite, he, he was taught that from his youth. Same thing. You, 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 can, you can touch the dead body, but you're contaminating yourself. You're born of the tribe. You're selected by God from birth. You're destined for this and destined. You are full of baloney. You're dead to Christ. Now, who's the one that tried to, let's see, who, what happened here then? Oh, but the certain Samaritan, oh, there's them Samaritans. We started out talking about Samaritans, them poor people, them poor people. As the, he journeyed, came, came where he was, and when he was up in northern Samaria, when this took this story's place, and it's I don't even like to use the story when this took place. But uh, he saw him and he had compassion on him. Boy, there's that word, compassion. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And then you know on, he goes, uh, Which of these thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves. Oh, the Samaritan, because, you know, he lived right next door. No, that's the neighbor, love thy neighbor as thyself, is the person you, next to you. She's my neighbor. He, John's my neighbor. Can't get it. He's my neighbor. Beats a man. He's my neighbor. You're all, we're all neighbors, aren't we? What's the great commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. I can't, I, I didn't grow up having great compassion on people. 
The Lord took me through a few, few ringers and had to teach me that. In fact, I've prayed for great compassion on people. I quit a state job with seven years seniority because I wanted to develop compassion for people. It bothered me when I took an inmate down. Well, it didn't bother me when I took an inmate down off the top of his cell on Christmas Eve and chewed him out. He had a necktie on, uh, had those bed sheets around his neck, and was black and blue. And when he was, as I had the responsibility of reviving him and giving him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, I told him, you got a lot of nerve doing this at 10 o'clock at night. My shift ends in another hour. I'm going to be four hours filling out the paperwork. I love the Lord that God with all my heart and my soul, but I didn't love him. I quit the job. I had to die to a state job in the state I was in. That was good money, Dave. Good money. Had probably 10 more years, and with my time in the service, I could retire in 10 years. What did I do? Well, I wanted to be a preacher. Well, God says, you love me with all your heart, mind, and soul, but you better get on down to the other side of it. If you love me enough, you're going to love that inmate. You're going to love that dirty guy laying on the ground there. Now, how much? whatever God's given you the grace to do for him. As a police officer, I had to exercise enough compassion and maybe just instead of calling it and locking him up forever, maybe just getting him somewhere he could dry out, where somebody else could minister to his needs while I was still had to be alert and ready for somebody else's needs. There's compassion. The Lord has to take each one of us through those stages, Dave. I've had neighbors I really don't like. The last place I had, I had a neighbor I didn't like, and I needed some cement work done. And I went over and, hey, Jose, you get your buddies together, and I won't ask any questions. You pour me some cement. <laughs> and we got it done. I gave him more than he wanted. I figured if I paid him, maybe he wouldn't come back and steal it from me. But... At the same time, I knew I had to do something to have a testimony amongst my neighbors. He knew that the other guy down the road, about four more miles, who he used to work for, poured concrete also. And he'd know if I poured concrete and he didn't do it. Did it matter? Well, I checked it out. They're both the same price, really, when it comes down to it. But... I says, I best get my neighbor. He's the guy I got to live with, whether I want to or not. And believe it or not, you got to live with Ron? Ryan. Ryan. I was close. <laughs> Praise God. Ryan, you got to live with Russell. You have to live with Mrs., Mr., what? You got to live with them. In this small town, it's an easy message, isn't it? It's an easy understanding. Well, how do you do it? Lord, help me get along with others. Now, Jesus didn't get along with everybody. We went over that ground once already. But he knew who to get along with and who not to. He knew his neighbors and he knew his enemies, devout enemies controlled by Lucifer. That's where he drew the line because he was fighting spiritual battles in addition to fleshly battles. We're pretty fortunate. We have somebody who fights our spiritual battles for us, Jesus Christ. We got to worry about the flesh. That's enough. You know, I get a kick out of people who say the devil made me do it. When it's all done, when it's all done, 
you think the devil wastes his time on you and me? He's wrestling with principalities and powers and Democrats. He's not worried about, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's, he's worried about people in high places and groups of people. He's got little devils that take care of you pretty easy. Takes care of me pretty easy, right? I, I'm my own worst enemy a lot of times. We all are. So love your neighbor as yourself. You take care of your own worst enemy by loving God more than with your heart, mind, and soul. We could go into what your heart represents, what your mind represents, what your soul represents. There's all kinds of things here. You could, you go in so deep and come up so dry when you're done. The thing is, we got to learn to die to ourselves and get along with our neighbors. We really do. And that's part of loving God. So if you got this all down and I sure don't. You got it all down to where, hey, I love God. I'm so vibrant. I, I tithe, and I tithe on my anus and mint and all the other things, and I, I uh, pray every meal, and I do the, hey, where's your neighbor at today? Is he on his way to hell? Where are you at right now? There's a great joy you have in your heart. You love God, and you're doing your best. I never could make my dad happy, and the Lord knows I never did make my mother happy until she died. But, that could be taken wrong, too. But, the, uh, I could make God happy. And my dad come to know in Christ as his personal Savior because he seen his hyperactive, bullheaded, stubborn, hell-bound son change his life by asking God to help him. He says, your neighbor's watching you. Your friend's watching you. They see you. And they know you cuss. They know you fall short. But they also know you're on a journey. They're not going to even join you on that journey until they see how sincere you are. We all need to trust God as our Savior. We all need to Come as close to the law as we can. Now, back, and I'll finish up. We've got about five minutes. Go to Exodus. There's the law, the Ten Commandments. Oh, I'm good, preacher. Don't worry. I've never sinned. What? I had somebody just ask me that too, not too long ago about sin. You never sinned, eh? Well, the first thing we drag out, if you're, if you're concerned, uh, my wife was talking to some girl and her sister. We got, she was, my wife was lost, and she managed to help two other ladies that weren't lost as they helped her when, and when she was lost. It, she, she met him on a walking trail. She was lost in the woods, and she asked him, <laughs> I, I could keep going, where to go, and they told her where to go. No, they, she asked him uh, where, she, where she could get back to the Bible camp, and the two ladies uh, got to talking and visited, and it was a long walk, and they showed her the way. And she tried to show him the way to Jesus, and she's talking to one. And the one sister says, she says, she says, I never sin. I, I, I really, you know, I, I never hurt anyone. I've never killed these Ten Commandments right here. We're going to look at just a second. We'll read them through and we'll be done. And her other sister said to her, now, sis, you know You've already violated one by being too prideful and lying about. <laughs> and so the sister had said, and both those girls 
eventually come to terms with their maker. They really did. It was good. It was good. So, and my wife found her way back to camp. <laughs> All right. Exodus. Uh, the great, uh, the Ten Commandments. I want you to look at it really quick. Exodus chapter 20. Genesis, Exodus. I'll get back there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay. Exodus chapter 20. Chapter 20. I'd, there we go. And he, God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. First commandment. The next commandment, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. Next commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Did I jump? I just added to that one. But second one, it's in there. Yeah, thou shalt make no other gods, graven images, or bow down to them. The third commandment, thou shalt take the name, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who taketh the name of the Lord in vain. And I could jump off here and I'll use it when we talk about prayer. We, what's the most, I get so irritated, and I've worked in prisons. I've worked around lots of foul people, foul to any society, let's put it that way. Don't bother me. I've had mouths full of things people would say, and I, I've been there and done that, wore the T-shirt. You can't, you can't outgross me. But when someone says, oh, my God, and they're not in trouble, or they're not praising him, they've violated loving the Lord thy God with all their heart, mind, and soul. What's the most popular thing you hear? I, I've walked up to people and go, I'm sorry, I will, I will be dip, more diplomatic in a small area, but in big areas, amusement park in Chicago, for example, oh, my God. Oh, you want to pray, sister? I'll pray with you. Well, you just called on my creator's name. Don't you think he hears that? I went off the cliff in a 160 feet in a 56 Chevy, and the only thing I could get out of my mouth as I smashed through the windshield and my wife-to-be racked up against the door, and those old metal doors and those old Chevys, she bent that thing way out, still has hip problems from it today. I could get, oh, my God, out. And then I fell back in the car as it rolled back over. And my wife lived. She went into shock, hospital, the works, the big. But he heard my prayer. Don't tell me he didn't. I should have been dead. Police officer came on the scene. Said, no, you know, oh, my God. That's all I could get out. God heard it. I wouldn't even, I think I was barely saved at the time. God hears you. So all these commandments, then the first, you know the rest. They come here and they follow up. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul can be summed up all the way down there to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, the fourth commandment. The first four commandments are love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul. And the last commandment, 
the second that's likened onto it that you can fulfill all the rest of these without even giving it any thought is honor thy father and thy mother. Give, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. The rest of the Ten Commandments are loving thy neighbor as thyself, aren't they? So you want to know how to do any of them? There they are. Start practicing them. Practice the first one and eliminate, oh, my God, out of your vocabulary, and it's going to help you with the rest of it. It will. It will. Now, you know, I don't see a whole lot of other things in here, but we're, not, we're talking that's as deep as we need to be in the law. That's what you need to know is if you love God, you're going to desire eventually uh, 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 you're going to want to help somebody else. If it's nothing else but to share what God's done for you. Uh, there's people in here in the medical field. There's people in here in all kinds of different walks of life. Uh, they're helping others. Some, some are fortunate enough to do it directly, some indirectly. Uh, trying to figure out how to tie mining into it, but I can't right off the top of my head. But he's got other people to minister to, a wife. You got any kids coming along? No, not that we know of. Oh, daggone. But uh, love thy neighbor as thyself. It'll help you love your children, you know. It'll help you to have tolerance, and you'll die to yourself eventually. You'll be able to die to yourself. You'll have a reason to achieve. You'll have progress. You'll have spiritual power. You'll have an awakening. You'll see your prayers answered. You'll see God work in your life. Die to yourself. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul. Love thy neighbor as thyself. You may all stand. Did you have a uh, music, brother? Did you have a music, or did they have music or anything? Let's stand. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for everyone here. I thank you that uh, you've been so gracious towards me in my life, and that everyone here can attest to some degree that you've been gracious towards them. Lord, help us to uh, be more what we should be to be, and to love you more with our lives, to love you, and then a lot more other problems will work out as we practice that love with you. Give us strength. Give us, be patient with us. Be forgiving towards us. We know you are. And help us to love others through you, with you, and for you. In Jesus' name, amen.